Well, swords are gay and swords are gay and swords <laughs> are gay and swords are gay. It's homo sword period. Clangity clang 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 kaboom. Let's see if it's uh, like a Liza Manelli version. Uh, yeah, it's very show tunesy. It's very like meet me in St. Louis. Clang 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 goes the trolley. Uh, but this is issue of 166 of Homo Superior and the last of the crossover of Crossing Swords. Uh, I'm Kalen. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And we are so happy to have Dylan from House of X back uh, as our final guest uh, for the Crossing Swords uh, crossover. Dylan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I've <laughs> been here like a million times. So if <laughs> anyone's what? listening that doesn't know who I am. <laughs> like Stanley used to say, Dylan, it's always somebody's first issue. So it could be oh. somebody's first podcast. So you can okay. reintroduce yourself. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm Dylan. I have a podcast that's called House of X. I have a Facebook group that's called House of X. We talk about X-Men stuff. Uh-huh. Everyone here is a part of it. Every time I'm on this podcast, I try to make it as sexual as I possibly can. So if this is your first time listening, don't be surprised. You you have a sex dungeon called House of X. You have everything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I have many houses. I love it. Thank you for reintroducing yourself, Dylan. We're really glad to have you back. And you've definitely been on the most of any of the guests that we've had. So very lucky to have you. So it is the final three chapters of of Ten of Swords. We are finally here after almost three months of a crossover that's dominated the X book. So it's uh, chapter 20, which is X-Men, the latest issue of X-Men, number 14, I want to say, written by Jonathan Hickman and uh, uh, drawn by Mahmoud Asrar. Chapter 21 is Excalibur number 15. Writer is Teeny Howard. The artists are Mahamad Asrar and Stefano Caselli. And in the last chapter is Ten of Swords Destruction number one. The writers are Jonathan Hickman and Teeny Howard. And the artist is the amazing Pepe Larraz. So previously on Ten of Swords, the sword wielders of Araco and Krakoa have been competing in the Tournament of Swords. And for a while, Araco had the upper hand till Gorgon even the score before making the ultimate sacrifice. That's right, Gorgon did die. And then uh, we were about to see the final battle between Apocalypse and Annihilation. So in these three issues that I just mentioned, Cyclops and Marvel, Marvel Girl, excuse me, tell the Quiet Council, they're gonna lead a team into Otherworld to save all the Krakoans. The Council votes against authorizing the Strike Force, but, vote, but also votes for closing the external gate. So lose, lose for Cyclops and Marvel Girl. Of course, being the heroes that they are, Cyclops and Marvel Girl are going to go anyway and basically reform the X-Men, which we find out haven't formally existed as a team since all the mutants moved to Krakoa. Meanwhile, right before Genesis begins to fight Apocalypse, she takes off the Mask of Annihilation and they go at it Soul Calibur style. Apocalypse wins, but a wounded Genesis is forced to put the mask back on. And the tournament is basically over because Annihilation summons the Demons of Amenth to other worlds and a big old fight ensues. Uh, uh, White Sword decides to leave because it's not his fight. Uh, Bay chooses love over war, quite literally. Jubilee shows up Han Solo style with the priestesses of the green. Hey, remember them? Yep, me neither. <laughs> and Saturnine puts the most consequential jigsaw puzzle ever. Yeah, uh, yep, that's right. The Captain Britain Corps has been reborn, Betsy Braddock style, and naturally they join the conflict. Psychop gets magic to open up a portal so that Chekhov's sword, a.k.a. the Peak, can show up with virtually every X character ever created. 
and now it's just the most vertigo-inducing Super Smash Brothers melee ever, or so I thought. Cable ends up. Cable uses his super space sword to get the Viscora. Hey, remember them? They're those Event Horizon aliens from that last issue of Cable that we read to join in, and and I really can't keep up with everybody who's there. Apocalypse end up don, uh, ends up donning the mask of annihilation, resists its temptations, and surrenders. Iska changes sides, so we know the good guys are gonna win. Saturnine turns the mask into a staff, hands it over to Genesis, and demands an exchange of prisoners between the two forces. Genesis, who's probably thirsty AF, uh, chooses to get dicked down by Daddy Apocalypse, and Apocalypse <laughs> chooses Arako because Kakoa is going to get awful lonely now that Doug has a new bride. And then we get a closing montage a la Return of the King, but, uh, you know, a little bit more efficient, and thus ends the Ten of Swords. I'm going to turn it over to Adam to start our discussion. Yeah, well, Dylan... Longtime listener, longtime returning on this podcast all the time. Um, how are you feeling about the end of this crossover? How do these last issues rise to the occasion? Um, my thoughts are probably going to be different if you ask me the same question tomorrow. I keep going back and forth of whether I liked the entire event or the last three issues. So... So, I like it right at, now. <laughs> what did you, well, what did you like about it, right? What's riding high in your mind right now? What'd you like? That there was actually some big things that did come out of it. That the Captain Britain Corps exists again, even though I don't care about anything Captain Britain. <laughs> uh, that Apocalypse is gone. That Araka's there. That there was actually important things that did happen, even though the bigger scheme of things, it kind of seems like nothing happened. Yeah, no, that's a very fair assumption. <laughs> what uh, was there anything you desperately didn't like um, that's top of mind for you? Um, well, right now I don't really care for Betsy, so the fact that there's a billion of her that's not her, <laughs> I don't care for. <laughs> I get it. Uh, well, wow. Except, except I do Can like I that. Can I hop the on that really quickly? Has anyone? Has <laughs> I anyone like that. There's a frog. <laughs> And a pigeon. Oh, yeah, right. Hop on that. Yeah. And a pun, right. Um, no. Um, has anyone really cared for Betsy ever since she became white again? Like, I have no interest at all, and I think she's boring now. <laughs> uh, Brett from Comic Book Queers loves her. I kind of like her. Okay. I, feel, I do. Uh, maybe it's just the writing has made me lose interest in her because I don't like her book, I'm... but I, I just, I'm so over her. I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt because I think of like with uh, Quanon, I guess she's still, well, she's still Psylocke. So Quanon, Fallen Angels was terrible. And then I do, I've appreciated her like sort of straight man character in Hellions. I think it adds a lot of value to that team. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that maybe there's just, there's too much expository storyline that's been dumped on the character for Excalibur. And I'm hoping that maybe after this or maybe after her, she gets tossed into another book in a different role. It might might be a bit different. But Kayla, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Clark a little bit. The writing has just been a little weak. I think uh, we all agree that Excalibur is probably one of the weaker books, um, uh, weaker X books and been some of the weaker chapters as part of this. Uh, but I haven't really enjoyed Betsy even when she was Asian Betsy. For a long time probably the last time i really enjoyed her was uncanny x-force when right. rick remender wrote her and then before that i'm trying to remember when i 
liked her liked her then maybe in the 90s like when like Jim Lee was drawing the book um mm-hmm. you know maybe like you know Adam Kubert and Fabian Nicieza era but like I've never like for somebody who I really thought I enjoyed I just try to go back and think <laughs> I don't think I really liked her that much in some of the stuff I just think I like her as Captain Britain because there's untapped potential there and I'm excited that the uh to Dylan's point I'm excited the core is back because I think there's some really interesting things that could happen there Ryan it's it's all about the core because I think uh, the the previous iterations were obviously not her interpretations of her. So I love that Saturnine is like pissed somewhere that like all of them are just there's like a bird Betsy and there's like a T Rex <laughs> Betsy and there's like a a clown Betsy. Like I love that she hates that. <laughs> um, and I think Excalibur is going to eventually turn into that. Um, with that said, Excalibur has not been my favorite, but Teeny is a big part of how this was completely constructed. So I think they are a good uh, architect of the X books in general, right. but, but maybe I think the execution was maybe not our most favorite, but I think Teeny is still a good constructor of a storyline. Good, good plotter. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Good. A good, good conceptual plotter, maybe yes. not like good, like you know, like executing it out page by page. Because, because uh, I do, I do want to give credit where it is because Teeny basically co-wrote everything right. with Jonathan Hickman. So we always say like Jonathan Hickman's the the best, but like Teeny did a lot too. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just want I I yeah. th- there, there's two people working there. Uh, uh, Dylan, I just wanted to agree with you on that. That I Teeny is to me, just like what I just said about this entire story, I go back and forth of trying to defend her or not. And I think we had to deal with her mostly setting up Ten of Swords in all of Excalibur, while the rest of the X-Books got to have their own story. So Free reign, completely. Yeah, it's the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. problem that we talked about before. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and it's interesting too, because I almost wonder if it's like she's not because I, I was just rereading uh, right before we started recording the three issues and I distinctly forced myself to be like this is Excalibur 15 it's written explicitly by Teeny. what do I think of it and I thought it's funny because I thought she wrote all of the other characters in the crossover well and then the minute they started bringing back Excal- Excalibur characters like Jubilee I'm like, no, no, now it's all bad again. Like, it's so finally, funny because I'm like, finally, she's... Jubilee and the Green Priestesses to the rescue. It's just we don't a... want any of the X Men that we like. We want Jubilee and th- three million Green Priestesses. It was just the funniest thing, like her writing Cipher with Bay coming in, like just some of the Iska stuff, like yeah. all of the characters they built up and the relationships they built up over the crossover she can write really well. And I was like, okay, this issue is just as much on par as X-Men before it and then Destruction after it. And like Destruction's obviously co-written, so there's a good mix from both of them. But it was just fascinating to me because I'm like, yeah, this is great. And I'm like, no, not again. Why with these characters? <laughs> Kayla? I think Clark was trying to make a point like riffing off of that. Uh, so I want to give him the- Oh, I was just saying, did you like how when the, uh, when the green and she showed up, and the Vespora, or the, the anthem, anthem, whatever the fuck they're, immense, 
Oh yeah, yeah. scream die! Like remember Weapon X where we had to suffer? Oh yeah, <laughs> those goddamn robots screaming die every single issue from Weapon X. Yeah, yeah. It, gave me, I, it gave me trauma flashbacks, which is why I, I hate that you just now. I hate that you reminded me of that because I'm just trying <laughs> to forget Weapon X and Sorry. Ice Play, and now it's all coming back to me. <laughs> but the there. point I oh, wanted to make, I... the point I wanted to make is taking a step back. Um, this is a 22 chapter crossover that was mostly written well, didn't feel too repetitive except for that one issue of X-Men. The art held up and they didn't miss one deadline. Like Jordan White, like I tip my hat to you. Like that, like that right there, Marvel always screws up these crossovers because they like, you know, like somebody can't get their shit together and then they like skip a week or something and then you have to be like, go back and reread something to make sense of it. Like this all was on time and it was mostly done really, really well. Ryan? And they only needed one global pandemic to get behind (laughs) schedule to get them on schedule. So like it all worked out, you know? Who says that there's nothing to COVID is bad, honestly. Exactly, yeah. It's COVID kind of sorts. Pikmin caused the pandemic <laughs> and teeny both of them <laughs> caused it he, he plotted the concept she and then really he executed good. it yeah uh well yeah no i mean like let's kind of go deep on some of these issues i mean it's really all one big act three finale so let's just kind of talk about it as a whole i don't think there was any divergent quality and ter- i mean besides artwork obviously was great throughout but um just pepe the rise stuff at the end was amazing but like what did you all like? What were some of the big takeaways? What really stood out to you, Ryan? Uh, I liked how we're getting to the final match between Apocalypse and his wife, Genesis. And in between the fighting, we get just the quiet council talking about what they're going to do. Because we've seen these fights so many times. It was nice for them to go to the characters that we know and love so much, the X-Men back at home on Krakoa, and like see their point of view and see where their their thoughts are and then also how they're gonna go into this crossover. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, like, I like that. And s- snappy dialogue when people are fighting, it's like, I don't know, I never knew that I loved it so much, but I do. Kayla. I didn't realize how much I missed like the concept of the X-Men until Cyclops and Marvel Girl made their stand in front of the Quiet Council. Because I like this, you know, obviously like I love the like the global real politics of Krakoa being an island nation. I like that they've had to set up both X-Force and Marauders. Um, and it feels like, you know, uh, up until now for the most part, it's just been really just another like sort of uh, step for survival for these mutants and being able to compete on the world stage with hostile nations. And so uh, I've enjoyed that, but I missed the heroism. And then like seeing, you know, Cyclops and Jean, like first, you know, talking to the Quiet Council and then Cyclops talking to Magic for her to open the portal, peak coming through. I like almost like jumped up and started cheering. Like it was that, it was that moment like an end game when like Captain America grabs Mjolnir or when, you know, Falcon says uh, on your left and like everybody comes up, like it was, it gave me that kind of chills. And uh, it just, I don't know, I, I really, really dug that. But doesn't that happen at every event? That, so I didn't, I wasn't gonna be super negative, but that, that, was, the, that was actually my flip side. Not of what to be I, rude, but don't they always go, to me, my X-Men at every of the end of it, every well, event. 
if I could, if I can respond to that, the contrast is showing over the last year how they weren't necessarily being heroic. They were just trying to set up a government and setting up, you know, uh, the ability to survive and having to do things and having to do things that were a little underhanded. I mean, like think about Beast over the last year, you know, basically turning into a quasi villain. And like, it just reminds me that, um, that these folks can be good and they can be altruistic even to the point where you have both Professor X and Magneto voting against sending a, an authorized strike force, but then both urging Cyclops to go do the right thing. I like that kind of dichotomy. Dylan? Yeah, I was going to say, I already recorded my podcast episode about talking about these issues, but, and I was actually kind of mad that we didn't know that the X-Men didn't really exist. But the more I think about it, it, it kind of makes sense. Because I mean, they like you just said, they were building their own world and they actually haven't called themselves the X-Men until right, this right. issue. So that was interesting. Well, then we Is talked it... about, oh, go ahead, Ryan. No, it was, it was just a cool reveal of realizing these last, ever since like Hawks and Pox, basically, the X-Men have not been the X-Men, even though we have a title called the X-Men yeah. and it's all exposition, exposition. But it's like, it it was it was an interesting reveal to, in that issue to like hear that actually well it was it was funny because we we oh yeah we've always said about that series and i'm sure it was obviously designed intentional that that was more of like the slice of life random stories from what this world was as opposed to a team that was doing anything and so it is it's especially exciting to think about what they'll do now now that they've kind of carved out that niche and especially because like gene had previously left x-force like they've been building this up really nicely like i will say as much as there's still many a plot thread left to come back to after this crossover's ended, it's definitely, um, well, and even for me, I think this is like one of the only crossovers that I've gotten to read in real time while also having read all of the issues that led up to it. So normally I like try to, I've been trying to condense and read backlogs of crossovers. And obviously that's not really the, the meat of like the quality of X-Men, but it is like a fun way just to check in on what characters are doing at certain time periods. So this was, you know, I, I, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like they did do some really strong plotting to build up to a lot of the kind of conversations, relationships and things that happened over this crossover, which is why I enjoyed it so much. Whereas many of the others always feel like these big boombastic movies, as opposed to like a natural extension of a lot of the plot lines from before. I think, which is why I was a little bit sour on the, uh, <laughs> end game scenario, which I'll talk about in a second, but uh, Dylan, what are you thinking? When you just said the part about uh, growing on the relationships, I just wanted to say that in that X-Men issue, I really loved that we got to see a, a conversation between Emma and Scott. Uh, we've mainly just seen a lot of Jean and Scott, especially them doing stuff with the Summers family. We've seen Emma and Scott talk Is about ring, ring? Cable. <laughs> a little bit but I like how on this it was just like Emma was basically like like do I need to get my belt out too and join you guys and he's like no no stay there totally agree and you saw the past relationship that Scott had with Emma where they they knew to just talk to each, they could talk to each other out loud but then telepathically just like get in some extra like questions that no one had to know about it was really cool I totally agree uh <coughs> Sorry, I got something in my throat. <laughs> Mark, what did you like? Like, I don't know, I was gonna say what I dislike. 
Um, no. Perfect. Oh, you got to give me one good thing you liked before you flip over. I already said that. Well, Saturnine's amazing. That's what I'll say that I like. I absolutely love her. And she's, I don't know. I just love someone who's so Mach Machiavellian. And then they never gets what kind of she kid. wants anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> gets a little bit of what she doesn't want, but, and she doesn't get Brian Braddock. But besides that, she, she got everything she wanted. Um, uh, okay. Yeah, what would you the, like? The negative that? thing is, um, you remember, as we already talked about it multiple times, but Jubilee showing up with the fucking green priestesses. Um, you know, I, I do love a, you know, reinforcements to the rescue kind of thing. We literally had three of those. In <laughs> right? Three of them. Three. That was my and, point. And you yes. knew the X-Men yeah. were coming at some if point. The, if the X-Men one had happened first, fine. The yes. first one was fucking great. Jubilee's showing up. Now you ruined the amazing fl splash page that's going to be the X-Men appearing. I was, I was furious. I was like, the oh, so the situation is worse because Jubilee is. <laughs> so, oh, God, we're definitely going to lose now. <laughs> that actually, I would have enjoyed that if they had shown, like, the forces of men, like, overtaking them because, like, Jubilee just comes <laughs> up in the wrong place. And like and, fucks up everything for the or, good guys. And like Iska just goes, that's not going to help anything. Because like, <laughs> if anyone knows, it's her. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. She immediately like extra turns to the, the, the side. Yes, of that. I need commentary right. by Iska during the yeah. entire thing. <laughs> Always. Yeah. yeah they really rubbed me the wrong way. Can, can um, Saturnine keep hold of Shogo forever? Right. I'm fine with seeing Shogo. I'm done with Jubilee. And I feel sad that I'm done with Jubilee because I liked her a lot in Generation X. Yeah. Well, and I really like Shogo as a dragon as opposed to a child. Oh, I think yeah, yeah. It's certainly like, while she's, I love Saturnine talking to Shogo while she's putting the puzzle together. Like, there's always that, like, sort of uh, mute, like, animal character to, like, a huge bitch that I always really enjoy. Cause it's like, they're sort of like- <laughs> It's Daenerys Stormborn is what it yeah. is. You're fucking yeah. jacking off over Daenerys. Again. They just like, you know, and like the dragons are always like, <laughs> like they don't really do anything, but sometimes they look sad and they're like, oh, stop it. Look at yourself. Like, I just like that interaction. <laughs> they're always British too. Right, exactly. Yeah. Dragons are. Um, yeah. The gay no, dragons was, you just did. That was my big, yeah, that's how the dragons talk. You never seen Dragonheart? Uh, that's my biggest problem. <laughs> That was really like the only problem with the last three issues. I thought everything was perfect. And I think the triple, triple cavalry, I get the idea of trying to create stakes, but like to the original point, it was kind of, it was a little bit frustrating to, and I get why they did it. Cause it's like, well, the Britain Corps can't do it. The Jubilee can't do it. Even though she, again, she should have been the exact person. The Jubilee. Right, the Jubilee. Right, the Jubilee. Uh, and then, and, and it was almost like the X-Men show. I get why they did it and it all was like, it felt earned, but I was still just like, oh boy, here we go again with the giant, the giant battle, which you would need because everyone broke the rules and all this stuff. But I did, I would have liked it to have a bit more of a, a quieter ending kind of thing, which like between those fights, I thought everything was excellent. It was just a little bit boombastic for me when I thought considering this series has been so up and down in terms of tone, that I would have hoped they would have chosen a more original way to end it, um, which they still did, because I think Apocalypse taking the mask and kind of surrendering, I thought that was that was great. Once it kind of re-pulled itself back in, but it did feel a lot like a, a lot of fan service in between uh, and, and a couple of those last uh, last pages in those battles. Um, With all of the, the people coming in to rescue, I feel like the X and one should have been a full two page, you know, here's everybody kind of thing, just to make it seem better than the other one. It's the same size as the rest of them, and you can't see who half the people are. They're just tiny little dots. It was very yeah. frustrating. 
I like great. a splash page. Give me a splash page for something super important. <laughs> I love that it's like every X-Men ever, but not Nightcrawler because he's still <laughs> back in the council. It's every X-Men except him. But um, uh, the one thing I did like about Excalibur were uh, just the slower moments with uh, with the Araco team of just them being like, what the, should we, we, we don't know if we should fight. You, yes. you get some of them just interacting <laughs> with each other, which you didn't see too, too much. And I like, it, I think it's a group consensus that those characters are just super fascinating. They really develop them like so much and so fast that like we want to hear from them more. Like, I just want to hear their dialogue. I want, I want to see, I want to see their mentality behind so much because I, they, during this crossover, I think those are the real winners coming out of it because those characters <laughs> are phenomenal. I love them. I, they're, yeah. they're all my favorites. You love White Sword? That's like, right? Except that's like White. No, it, you know, I used to love, yeah, I do still love them. That's just like I the actually, worst sports <laughs> gas tag. I just love that you're like, they may have lost, but they're my favorites in yeah, my yeah. heart. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, yeah, I want to just hey, build off uh, what Ryan said. I actually really love White Sword's decision. It's yeah, like yeah. this isn't this isn't my fight. Peace, you know. And it's like it completely was in character of what we know about him. Uh, Bay, you know, going ape shit to protect Doug, and like him having to convince her, you can't just protect me. You've got to fight for us. I love that. And then like uh, Adam, I'm sure when you saw that moment when Iska turned, you lost your goddamn mind because yeah. I know I did too. <laughs> Uh, I was more I was more turned over by the fact when Bay read Escafer Filth, where she's like, it must be fun being so lonely, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm like, aren't you lonely? Like <laughs> she's married now. See, that's like that's lonely at all. Your yeah, best girlfriends become cunts once they get married. They, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Girls really and then they just stop speaking married. to you. I don't she was such a warrior before. I don't know. We don't need to yeah. Bay has a husband now who has a boyfriend. And has another boyfriend. Yeah, and, and then yeah. androgynous plants. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's April Ludgate from the early seasons of Parks and Recreation. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, loved the Cthulhu monsters. Uh, oh, I also really loved uh, Pestilence and Magic. When Pestilence like, or Magic is like, you smell like shit. And he's like, um, they're like, among other things. You smell like <laughs> puke. It was perfection. It was so good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, it, it was totally an earned final battle, and I loved how much, to your point, Kaylin, they were able to feature the dialogue of these people. And, like, everyone was, it was still, it felt fun and snappy because it wasn't just gigantic cataclysmic battle. There was still lots of good dialogue written throughout uh, from both sides. It was, it was, like, weirdly a little bit like uh, Civil War the movie, where it's like, yeah, they're maybe fighting to the death, but also, like, they're going to have fun doing it kind of thing. <laughs> Adam, I'm going to make you sit down and read Executioner Song so you can see just how good this crossover is. And, oh, I already, no, 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 I'm still walking away from it feeling very, very positive from the full picture. I think like Dylan, uh, I'm going to have to continue to like process my thoughts on overall what I liked, what I didn't, what worked, what didn't. But I will say really the only part of this crossover that for, like I turned my brain around for a while and it took a it took like the rest of the series to kind of bring me back was that middle issue of Excalibur where it went fucking nuts. And I was like, wait, this isn't what I wanted. And I was like unexpected and fun, but it wasn't written enough well enough to make me feel comfortable with that transition. And then the rest of it I thought was really quality across the board. 
Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with that completely. Like, I think like going from the end of the issue of X-Men and then starting with Excalibur, where you had Genesis put on the mask again and you knew shit was going to like just, you know, kind of just fall apart or just like break loose. And then when you got to Excalibur, like we were already kind of in media res of all this stuff. I was like, I needed a scene to show her like, you know, bringing in the forces of a man, something. It just was like, it's like, I knew that, I knew that was going to happen. I just needed a connect, like some connective tissue there. I, I really just wish they didn't waste, well, not waste, but they didn't, I really loved the character development of the first 12 issues for all the people that were playing the game. I wish they wouldn't have spent so much time on the front end making the individual issues about the characters from those books normally, because I think it slowed down the crossover tremendously. Because after they got to the, what, the Marauders, like the first night for dinner, when they started mixing and matching all of the things, like I thought that was when it really hit its stride. And I just wish they would have intermixed sword gathering between issues. Cause I, I don't, everyone was gonna read this fucking crossover. No one was gonna like sit around just continuing to buy cable and not buy the rest of the books. So there was no <laughs> real need to make it a series specific issue first and then do the crossover kind of thing, Ryan. It, it, it felt to me that it was truly just Saturnine's story, this entire thing. It could have been like Saturnine's diaries, X of sort. Like it, it, it was, it was, it was very, it was very much her story. And I love that they, like, she's, she's phenomenal. I was up and down with her, but at the end of the day, for her to claim, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. She's lying out of her ass. She's like, I kind of, <laughs> but like she is lying. And she's like, but she still won at the end because she was not going to help until the very last moment. Not because she had, she knew she could, she had to wait because she is a bitch. And I really <laughs> appreciate that about her. And she, she was like, and the very last moment, I'm going to send everyone back to their realms. You could have done it at the very right. first moment with Arako and Krakoa, but no, you waited to the very last moment. And I respect that because that's chaos. That's stupid. Ryan, Chaotic. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan, Saturnine is the ultimate a real housewife. What would be her like little saying at the beginning of the episode? Uh, uh, I don't know what's going on, but I'll read you like a card. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like it. We'll workshop that one. We'll workshop it. I don't know what's going on. What a nice opening. <laughs> the housewives of the world. <laughs> She um, literally stopped in the middle of the battle to put a jigsaw puzzle together. Okay, like what is like <laughs> who hasn't? I mean, come on. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I do and again, like obvious and I will look back on this as a I know Kaylin, you're not a big fan of Apocalypse. I as a child am a huge fan of Apocalypse just from watching the cartoon. I am like, now. Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say. Like, I don't think you it's totally a Saturnine and Apocalypse story, and that's really about it, and that's okay because it's great. Like, I had never really known Saturnine before. I really like her. I can't wait to see how people continue to use her. And then just the whole, it, it's, uh, what's so funny is like, as we get to the end of Apocalypse's story, which was all obviously generated for this, <clears throat> can't even imagine it not being his story, if that makes sense. Like, it's, it's built in because it never existed, but it's not, like, all of it makes so much sense. So like, none of it feels off. And I was like, it all interconnects really nice for me. I'm sure there's like weird story gaps or other references that I don't, I can't think about because I'm not that close of a fan. 
but I'm just like, as a person who generally has known this character, I'm like, yeah, that, okay, that all makes sense and I love it. Dylan? Yeah, that's another thing, like how I was saying there were certain things at the end of this event that I like. I like that we finally got a history to Apocalypse. We know why he was wanting to have the fittest survive and things like that. But I did want to point out that Saturnine is not the only broken heart at the end of this event. <gasps> what about when everyone goes back to Krakoa and tells Richter that Apocalypse is gone? Oh, right. Mascara tears oh, for days, days. Oh my God, he's gonna be so sad. Yeah, we we did also learn that Apocalypse is a fuckboy, and then he'll always go back to his wife, which you know, same old story for all of us, I'm sure. Re really <laughs> tugged at a chord with you, Adam. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Wait, you're Apocalypse in this sense, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've done that a couple of times. This I've is why you that. like Apocalypse. The, yeah. This whole time I thought I was a Richter and now, wow, my mm -hmm. eyes are open. No. I <laughs> no, bitch, you're an annihilation. You put you on, you <laughs> go evil. Um, How do you feel about the treaty that is in place, which is one of the weirdest treaties ever, that is like, one side has to give me a mutant. The other side has to give me a mutant. I choose Apocalypse and I choose all the mutants as the other side like that was an outrageous illegal just no, no. Leg legality like i think got into there that was like a oh. real lawyer moment i feel like it's a very good loophole because Araco itself is a mutant so it's like uh, like true you know i'm just be like i'm gonna get off like the rest of them are like no we'll just stay here like it's fine you go Araco. we're okay yeah i, I I loved it because it reminds me a lot of like Jack Kirby's like New Gods and even um, this season of Fargo where you have um, people having to exchange like somebody from their side to go live on the other side. It's like very like, you know, uh, parlay, like old world type stuff that you see like in mythology, you see like in medieval tomes and all that kind of stuff. It, it just, it fit very much with the conclusion of this entire storyline. Dylan? And yeah, that's an, I'm gonna sound like a broken record, but that's another thing that's big because the 616 or normal Earth mutants go from like maybe like 500 right. living on an island to now over a million, so. On that note though, aren't all the, so Iraq, like, are the, yeah, are the, you, all the Iraqi mutants look like they're uh, Egyptian gods and goddesses though? That's like the only thing I'm like, is there gonna be a huge culture clash of like <laughs> the regular like you like world mutants on earth? And then like all of a sudden these Iraqis who are just like, what up? Like the designs <laughs> are just such a, I'm just so interested to see how they're no, gonna be oh, I, I, I just think tourism to Egypt will just go up. I think that's the only oh, thing that they, yeah. <laughs> On a okay. serious note, I actually like there's an uh, an idea of like the Krakoan mutants like discriminating the Iraqi mutants. Uh, so like building on the whole thing of being an oppressed class now oppressing uh, even an even yeah. more oppressed class. Like there's like a lot of story uh, stories that could be mined from that. It would be yeah. very South Africa in mm -hmm. that like yeah. a very small yeah. amount versus the large population of minority. Well, our version of minority. Yeah, does Iraq become an apartheid state? That's like actually a very interesting storyline to like. Especially find. since Genosha was what? Isn't it? Wasn't it somewhere off the shore of yeah. South Africa? Yes, it was. It was near like Madagascar, I think. Yeah. Uh, 
Who are the your Ira- the Iraqi mutants need a book. They need a book. And we have our main characters already. Oh, like, like I thought you meant like an autobiography. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought you meant like they're illiterate and they need a book. <laughs> yeah. The funny yeah. thing is, I thought you meant they needed a Bible at first. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> okay. Okay. So that was all read completely wrong. Yeah. They, they read a book, honestly. No, I, I mean, they need an X book in the line because yeah. there's, I agree. There's, there's so much to be plucked from that. <laughs> yeah well i just it'll they that i think was what's going to be so fun is that they are all going to be experiencing so much for the first time and i think because they are all so interesting and unique it won't be like you know thor coming to earth or like normally like what is this beer i love this drink like i think they'll write them in a very fun way that's much more interesting of like a person experiencing new things um like when i think of iska like there's just so many opportunities for these characters to exist in a playful but original way of experiencing what the world has to offer for them now. Kalen? Can we talk a little bit about uh, the change in the Krakoan government? Because we now have two uh, people missing from the Quiet Council, Gene and Apocalypse, yes. and yeah. who we think will fill those roles. I think, one, I think one of them should for sure be Iska, because... If you want someone to be a decision maker, I think the person that always gets it right would be nice to have <laughs> on your fucking I, panel. So that's definitely one not, for me. No, not I really think her power. We, we lost a general we as well. We don't know how her her secondary mutations, if it, it goes into politics, you know what I mean? Ryan, <laughs> we, we, we lost a general also with Gorgon. And I think if anyone's going to be a general, it's going to be her. Right. But, oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Dylan, what do you think? Um, well, I definitely think somebody from Morocco should take a seat, but um, a person that I think should be on the council, I don't care if she works for Emma, but someone who, sh- who I think should have been on the council to begin with is Callisto, because she's yeah. led a society of mutants before. So I don't understand why yeah. Callisto was not on the council to begin with. That's a good yeah, point. I agree. And That's a great uh, point an underrepresented group like so, so like they need some sort of re- yeah i completely agree and Except, most of her population are in fucking arizona or somewhere they're in arizona they're golf. in scottsdale they're in scottsdale they're not on Araka <laughs> or krakoa rather yeah i don't i'm trying to think Maybe well we didn't get our carnation we need some fashion fashionista gay mutants on there well, we have sinister right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well we need more we didn't get our M ending. I know we all wanted M to take over other worlds. I did not. It made no sense that I was. Well, I would have loved it, but I mean, I want her somewhere. I feel like she needs to be far well, more featured. Based on whatever that picture for the next couple of years, she's going to be important. That's true. Yeah, let's talk. Reign of X. Let's talk about that shit. <laughs> what do you think it's going to be about? Well, I don't think it'll be shit. That's what I think. <laughs> Touche, touche, Ryan. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, I yeah, am, I am too. Yeah, I am too. I was very, uh, very pleased with uh, Archangel and M. I didn't really ship them, and now just that made me like, okay, the lot la- all the because I think my favorite thing that's happened in, for X Men in the last two years was the um, Imp- X Men the Empire miniseries was my favorite thing, and they were heavily featured. Yeah, that's right. 
And then uh, right behind M and uh, Archangel was the eyes of Tarn, who was introduced in the in that issue of Hellions. That was the last chapter, one of the later chapters of Ten of Swords. So I'm wondering if that entire group of mutants, if they're going to be on Arako as it's getting combined with Krakoa. Like, oh. what are they? What were they called again? That like that little like enclave of mutants. They were like all badasses and yeah. all kind of weird. It was looking. like the vile locust or locust yeah, vile. Yeah, right. like locust that. vile, locust vile. That's it. Thank you. Thanks for the reminder. Yeah, I'm like because if they're gonna be on there, like I am very excited about what's gonna happen next. Uh, I would, right? if they're not gonna get their own series, the Iraqi mutants. I would like a sort of like little mini series showcasing their transition for all of them. I think that would be kind of cool. Like a couple issues of like, what happens and how are these people juggling? Cause like, what I don't want to happen is to have all of, and it doesn't seem like it since we kind of got our first week of uh, new books. Like that's all of a sudden the only topic of conversation. But I also don't want it to get lost that they literally brought an entire island into earth. And also they've combined and doubled like the size of, or if not more of the mutant population. So it would be useful to like, give them a little bit more slice of life before they just add them as an ongoing kind of feature without talking about it, Ryan? That's actually a good point. Cause even Krakoa is so large right now that like a lot of the mutants are getting swept under the rug and you have no idea what they're up to, but you know, they're on the Island, you know, stuff is going on with them. Um, but with that said, they should read a book. They should read a damn book. <laughs> no, um, but who is reading a book is Nightcrawler. And I'm very excited that it seems like he's going to finally be in the spotlight because he's on the council. We all love him. We all wanted more. So I'm glad to see him as one of the main teasers, just, just reading some sort of tomb, some, some sort of magical, I don't know. Something. Ryan, it's the good book. It's the Bible. Well, that's what, I was, that's what I was preaching. He to doesn't know what that is. Also, side note, this motherfucker opens every issue with a quote about Jesus <laughs> or something. So to say Nightcrawler's not in the spotlight, you're yeah. right, but he is. <laughs> <laughs> Did they really, it's been a long time since he like accidentally teleported into that crystal oh, palace yeah. thing. And we just haven't heard shit from him again. Yeah, I don't like the fact that we have characters like Nightcrawler and Mystique that are on the council, but they've maybe had like one book each and we haven't seen anything else from either one of them. But we've yes. seen tons from the other council members. Is there a, is there a timeline to which Jonathan Hickman's like ownership of this overall thing is supposed to end? Like there's no, no end so far, right? Yeah. So that's- I said- Five oh. to ten years. He said okay, five well, to ten that, years. Okay, well, that's what I mean. Like, I just have, I have a ton of <laughs> no. faith that they're going to keep, like, I'm so happy to hear that because I'm like, there's so much to mine. And the fact that all we do every time we talk about this is to always want more, I love. Like, right, we're not, like, we're not, they're not, like, dawdling. They're not dragging things out. And I just keep hoping they crack open another layer and another layer and another layer. So I'm willing to wait around because it's been, they keep earning my confidence that they're doing an amazing job and they, they have a plan for a lot of what they're doing. Um, so it's exciting. Any other major things that y'all, Ryan? Um, one thing that's not related to any of this is Marvel Girl is still called Marvel Girl. <laughs> Can we just call her Marvel Woman or update her and don't call her Phoenix, call her something else. Psychic Lady, do something different. Like I'm so over Marvel Girl. That is Ryan, this, yeah. this was her choice. This was her choice. Let well, us... she made a bad choice. And, and, with the, feminism. and now that she's not on the council, they should really speak on this. 
You know what I mean? Like they should vote on what she should be called now. He's like, in real years, I'm 700 years old, but call me Marvel Girl. Yeah, I was can born we, in the talk, 60s, but. Can we talk about how in that splash page, since she's wearing this stupid ass outfit with the kitchen gloves, that she has a skirt and everyone's literally behind her looking up her skirt as they're falling down. It's, it's Krakoa. <laughs> They've all seen her naked already. Yeah. Like, this was, this, this her was skirt? her choice. Let her choose what she wants. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yes, I love her 60s retro <laughs> outfit. Call her yeah. Marvel Girl. Done. I'm good with if it. If she I'm wants with, everyone to see her vagina, let it happen. Look, and, yeah. that look Would you prefer she was Zoe... prestige? Would you prefer that, Ryan? <laughs> yeah. Throw a few <laughs> spikes on her. Yeah, I do want that, okay? And call her Spike Woman. Okay. Also, I don't believe for a second that Liberation, I'm just looking at that splash panel again, and there, I don't believe for a second that that guy from the Liberation... Uh, Wild side. Wild yeah, side. Yeah, like that motherfucker would never show up to fight alongside of everybody. He'd be like, no thanks. <laughs> Maybe. One, quick, one quick thing, we would be remiss to not ask you an overtly sexual question on this podcast, Dylan. Yeah. Um, with that in mind, do you have one, Adam? Do you have yeah. one? Yeah. Uh, Mary, <laughs> Mary, fuck, kill. Uh, ape, Captain Britain. Pigeon, Captain Britain. And penguin, Captain Britain. Oh, good question. <laughs> I gotta look at the picture. There wasn't a penguin one. Uh, just you <laughs> know, frog one. It was off there panel. Just, just you know, <laughs> use your imagination what a penguin, Captain Britain would look like. Oh, well, I feel like stories about penguins like they have like they're very loyal and oh. loving and whatnot so i would marry the penguin Britain. um kill the dove or pigeon one that you said just because yeah. pigeons are annoying and fuck the gorilla one because harry why not <laughs> and also harry we know yes. uh, Dylan, i'm sorry you only got one out of three of those right i won't tell you <laughs> did you know that gorilla penises are like tiny by comparison to their body like oh, really? unnecessarily so yeah well so supposedly not... someone literally did a like what would king king kong's penis be like in terms of fey ray's character oh like and uh... it was like almost a normal human penis was how much she was gonna have to deal with <laughs> isn't that upsetting i'm it not a size a... queen so i'm fine with that or where i'll turn Alternatively, uh, pigeon cloacas are ginormous. And, but that, but that you get shit and pee and semen out of that. Hey, for some Which people, is, they like that. Remember, okay, remember, Jamie yeah. Clark. Well, remember when you were talking about pestilence and magic and talking about how pestilence smells like like puke? I was like, so it's also semen, right? Uh, uh, can I ask what? When did Gwenpool become a mutant? Did that? Did they? Is that explained somewhere? Dylan, you've been doing arms. Dylan's been doing extensive. Yeah, Dylan's been doing extensive work on the House of X. uh, I've I've been answering this question every other day. I know. I'm so sorry. Speak on it. Speak on it, Dylan. Uh, they made her a mutant last year, and the end of her book, uh, she somehow teleported to Krakoa. She almost like wished herself there, right? Looking, I, I didn't read the Basically. book, but I only saw like the last page where she did it. Yeah. In, in case people don't know who Gwenpool is or her power, she's actually a person from our reality who got a power that made her go into the Marvel universe 
So when she talks to the fourth wall, she's like really talking to us because she's from here. But yeah, she's a mutant. And at the end of her book, I think she was like maybe using her power to go back to here. But like it somehow took her to Krakoa. And then Wolverine was like, you're a mutant. And so, yeah. So, so watch out for Gwenpool and the Iraqi mutants coming in January. <laughs> Kaylon. So uh, we got a few scenes at the end of Destruction Number One to show like what like the status of. Can we like just quickly go through all of them? Yeah, take us through those, Kaylon. So we've got uh, Jubilee and Shogo. Shogo looks like he's staying a dragon. Um, <laughs> And I guess they're staying in Otherworld. You've got the peak back in space and, you know, sword number one will be coming out very, very soon. And it is going to be an X book because it's going to be listed in the, um, you know, all the uh, Reign of X now books. Um, you've got uh, Skybreaker being returned to the Wakandans, like slightly scuffed. Um, you've got, you know, the Quiet Council uh, trying to... Uh, figure out what's next, especially since they've lost two of their members. As uh, To Clark's point, one of the captains, maybe two of the captains, because I'm not sure, does Cyclops come back? Right. Or does he, like, go off and do his mm-hmm. own thing with, you know, the X-Men? Uh, you've got the, you've got uh, Avalon, um, and it, they still have the the gate there. Um, I don't know what this next one is. Is, is this Dry? Yeah, it's Dryador, because what is the, what is the status of Dryador with now the, the forces of Araco, like, retreating from it like does it yeah, like, rebuild no, that's, it that's blight smoke because that's where all the realities meet yeah and oh, then they, smoke, they, okay. and they, they put the they put the vescora in blight smoke to be like oh, deal with this it. you fucks yeah basically <laughs> that makes sense but then also what's the deal with dryador because if like a baracco <laughs> had taken over dryador then like something's got to be you know filled a void um, and then you've got, you see death and like in Sevilleth, he's not actually dead because, you know, can you really kill that's death? what I told no. you. Yeah. That's you did, you crossed off. He did get crossed off though at the beginning you, of the title. You, you seem to have skipped uh, Gia White, uh, whatever her Chapel. name is. Gia White Chapel. White Chapel. You, you mean, the, Chapel. You mean the, the piss and her, picker. And her illustrious porn career. Continue. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Oh, yes, I'm sorry about that. Um, looks like she's bartering for something in uh, the Crooked Market, and it looks like a bunch of, like, the crystals from the uh, external gate. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we've got the Captain Britain Corps serving in the court of Saturnine, uh, and he looked cool as fuck. Yeah. He just looked yeah. really cool. And you've, um, you see Jamie, uh, Brian Braddock joining Jamie Braddock uh, in... Um, in over in Avalon, so I wonder if he's going to remain. Well, he will remain Captain Avalon, so like he's going to be part of that now. So it, it's sort of a last sad panel too of like poor Saturnine just being like, and and I'm still alone. Yeah, and just it's like the last panel uh, is her. Oh, you know what it is? It's like every last scene of every season of The Crown. Right, it's just exactly. on Elizabeth. Yeah. Definitely an inspiration. Uh, yeah. But what I did when I, Ryan, as I was reading this, I did uh, play the episode one ending music in my head as I was. <gasps> <finishing> it. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. It, the, Naboo yeah, got it. the Naboo really knew how to produce music back then. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
what's everybody's favorite Shining Sword moment of actually the entire run? Uh, how dare you. Of the entire run, not just these three books. I would just say these three books, Adam. Let's no, 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 no. Why don't we say that for the Omega issue? Oh, fine. I'm not going to be on it, so I wanted to (laughs) get. Oh, perfect. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, I'll go first. It's uh, "Have a Taste" by Storm. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, No, but yeah, what did you guys like the most about the last three issues? Anything? What's the biggest thing that stood out to you? Your shining sword moment of the week. I already said mine. It was the die nonsense because <laughs> it was so maddening that that's all I could think about for weeks. Oh my gosh, Dylan. Um, mine is also going to be something so small, like Clark's. Yeah. It is the fact that in that splash page and then a few other panels after it, we finally got to see Warpath again. So oh yeah, I'm happy that oh, Warpath yeah. was a part of this event for three tiny little well, spots on on three different panels. You're going to see him a lot in New Mutants. I I suppose I just love the last minute sort of stupid uh, comedy lawyer drama, dramedy of just like, we need one mutant over here and we need one mutant over here. And they're like, I found a loophole. And it's just just so ridiculous. (laughs) It's so stupid. I love it. It's so smart. you being uh, like our contract boy, like you were probably just like all about and it. I, and I was like, I, it, it all checks out. It all checks out. Yeah. What am I going to do? Yeah. The, the funny like, thing is, is that Saturnine, like that's something that Saturnine would totally do. So I love that they had her panel and she's like, huh, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> she knew, she knew, but she's still a bitch. Kaylin. <laughs> I think my favorite was, it's a small moment too, but it like just completely captured what I felt about the last issue. It's just, it's Brian Braddock going, my God. And like, I geeked out over this issue. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all the flaws. Like there was too many cavalry moments. You know, there's a few things that this crossover didn't get right, but overall, like I'm a jaded comic fan like and i was excited again and just the image actually of of jamie braddock with like half his like helmet off it just gave me a lot of like british superhero writer vibes of like this is what they put their characters through uh and like that's some of my favorite like uh superhero comics as i was growing up like all the alan moore shit like it just i don't know like everything about that panel made me so happy yeah the artwork was just Pretty much incredible throughout, right? I loved it. Um, Well, the crossover is over, or I should say the X-Men crossover is over, but we have one more final strike. Uh, We will be doing Crossing Swords Omega issue, and we're gonna have all of our special guests from the entire Crossing Swords podcast uh, crossover event. So we're gonna have Regina and Dylan, who's already on the podcast from House of X, Brett and Evil Jeff from Comic Book Queer's Legacy, Chandler and Chris from X Reads Podcast, and Jason from the Wolverine Podcast that goes snick. But most of them don't fucking matter this week because Dylan is with us. And Dylan, we're so happy that you came to wrap up this actual crossover with us. Um, thank you so much for being on this whole time while we've been uh, doing this. Let us know where we can find you. I just want to say thank you guys for having me on all the times that you did. Next time that there's a big giant X-Men event that's all about a woman just wanting to get dick, please have me back. 
Um, <laughs> but for people listening, if you want to follow me or listen to me, uh, I have my own X Men podcast ca- called House of X Pod. House of X X Men podcast. I can't even remember the name of my show, House of X. <laughs> and I have a Facebook group called House of X. Go join it. It's so weird you can't remember. It's literally the name of everything you own. It's I so- know. <laughs> I really okay. just wanted to say that joke about a woman wanting dick. <laughs> you got, yeah, you, you did not care about anything else. Yeah, you just did that perfectly, and then yeah. you lost track of everything. <laughs> everything else. Hey, I it was going to have pull, dick on the mind. I'm, I'm going to pull a Saturnine, and uh, we get to like exchange people. So, Dylan, you're now on Homo Superior, and since Brent isn't on, we're giving him to Alstabak. So, Regina, <laughs> yeah. okay, enjoy. Yeah, I think you're going to want great. Honestly, I think it's good. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, it's very uh, odd couple there. Very mutton, Jeff. Uh, But for Homo Superior, uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Uh, You can interact with us on Twitter at Homo Superior X and on Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. Uh, Plus, you can check out the Krakoan Morning Talk Show. Vicky and Kiana talking swords almost usually every Tuesday (laughs) on Instagram. We've we've had the holidays kind of in the mix, but we're going to get back on schedule and we're going to have some exciting stuff happening. And then also, um, we are going to go back to our regularly scheduled Homo Superior, and we're going to be talking about, Brian, do you want to sing it? Rain on X. <laughs> I never asked for a crossover. Ah. Okay, we'll, we'll do it more in the real thing. Don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. Thanks <laughs> what so much was for that? Listening. Thanks so much for listening, and then uh, listen for our Omega issue next week uh as well as our regular two of our regular episodes next week so thanks so much take care thanks so much dylan thanks everyone good night bye